0: All right, so welcome back tonight. Um, As I kind of uh, uh, previewed a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, some of the things of defeat and how the Lord uh, uses that in our life. Uh, We're going to take a look at an example uh, from scripture um, over there in uh, 1 Samuel. But uh, before we we get started with services tonight. Let's go ahead and, uh, just open with a word of prayer and, uh, then we can kind of get going into this. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the day that we've had. I thank you again for the morning that uh, we were able to come and, uh, sing praises unto you and worship you and, uh, receive instruction from you. I pray, Lord, that uh, tonight as we, uh, endeavor to, uh, get into this lesson, as we endeavor to, uh, look at how we think and, uh, to um really be transformed in the way that we think, according to your desire, I pray Lord, that we would see the intent of uh what is here in this passage, and that uh, Lord, you would just reveal by your holy Spirit to us uh the truth that is there and how much you care for us and how much you desire us to do that which is right, and the continued correction that you give us, and I pray Lord that um just be with me, that you'd speak through me tonight, that uh, this time would be honoring and pleasing unto you. Thank you again for those that are here, and I just pray, Lord, that uh, we just have a, a good night of uh, fellowshipping around your word, and this I ask and pray in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ, amen. So uh, this morning I talked a little bit about um, uh, in mentioning something about defeat, and I want you to go over to the book of first samuel and uh this is uh definitely not if you will a message but more of kind of uh uh and if you will an expository look at uh a principle that uh God frequently uses um many times in our life uh we will find ourselves in a position uh where we have fallen to temptation uh where we have uh gone back to something that we shouldn't have and the the end result is we 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 get defeated you know you you go over there and Paul talks about how God has given us um, a way of, to escape temptation and uh, he makes uh, makes that possible with us. And, and again, it comes down to whether or not we're going to take that escape route and, and take the, the, the way to avoid that, or whether we're going to just choose to do our own will and uh, go after what we want. But uh, when we take a look at what he's talking about here in First Samuel, and we're going to look at chapter 7 here in just a minute, uh, I, I want us to see something. And it's going to start off with uh, with with the victory, and then we're going to talk about the defeat. Um, and and I'm going to kind of show you what uh, what the Lord's getting at with this. Is um, its going to involve a very specific place, a uh, very specific name that many people uh, have. Uh, I've been asked multiple times about it, um, just because it happens to show up in one of the hymns that we sing frequently um but but, the idea behind it is that those places where we had past defeats, uh the Lord uses that to show that it can be a place of victory, and when we start thinking about that in the context of what God wants us to do and grow in him and grow in the knowledge of His will, grow in the knowledge of him himself. Uh, increase in righteousness, increase in faith, um, we, we we begin to realize that with every victory and every defeat, God is always teaching us. God's always teaching us a lesson. And I, and I think that's one of the most important things that a believer that's trusting Christ as their Savior can learn, is that this Christian life is a learning process it's 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 not going to stop until you know we're we're with jesus himself um we We're going to continue to go through tests uh God is going to place us in areas to test again not so that we would fall into temptation but to see what we know to see what we understand to see if we're willing to put into practical use the lessons that he has been teaching us. Uh, I'm sure most of us have been put into situations where we have had to simply trust God. And we have just had to simply trust God. Um, I, I've had uh, a lot of conversations. I was actually talking with uh, with our friend Chuck um, just uh, today, and we were talking about trusting the Lord. And uh, he was uh, bringing up uh, some of the issues that I've had recently with my health and, uh, and, and, uh, I've had questions about that, about, uh, when, when, uh, they started dropping words like cancer and they started dropping words like surgery and things of that nature, uh, what, what my mindset was. What, you know, what, what did you think? What was your reaction? And, and my reaction was just simply, I was at peace. Uh, I, I was not scared. Um, in, in the in the way that many people uh, have been and that I have been in my past. It was just simply this piece that just was like, all right, it's completely out of my control. There's nothing I can do about this. Uh, I'm just going to have to trust God with it. I'm going to have to trust God through the surgery. I'm going to have to trust God with a pathology. I'm going to have to trust God with everything and uh, you know obviously i'm still here today um and there's no cancer that's there so again it comes down to trusting the lord but many times when we go through those lessons of learning how to trust god learning to uh um fear him learning to obey him those are, are, are lessons that we have to repeat um not because we didn't learn a lesson but to increase our faith, to increase our obedience, to increase, uh, what we as, uh, as believers are supposed to be doing, exemplifying, uh, Christ and who He is. So here we are in, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, and, and I wanna, to get down here to, to, to this, uh, this situation that is going on, and, and we've got the situation where Israel, uh, is, um, is, is, is come to a place where they have to re- where they realize there's gotta be some repentance. They have got to turn from the sin. Now, this is, uh, obviously before, uh, David, this is before, uh, even Saul himself coming in as king. And in verse 3 of this passage, we find this: it says, And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and served the Lord only." And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together uh, to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. So what we, what we begin to see here is we begin to see this, this national turn to the things of God again, to the Lord and before that they had been doing wickedness we when uh, samuel was a little boy and in the first part of the, the book of first uh, samuel we find that uh, there was corruption in the priesthood there was corruption that went all the way up to Eli, the high priest. There was uh, a, a, a general that them doing that which is right in their own eyes. Uh, Eli was, was failing to judge accordingly in the way he was supposed to be as uh, that position that he was in but we find Samuel coming up and Samuel doing what Samuel was supposed to do and what Samuel was called unto and what he was specifically given as a ministry and we see that here and him going and judging Israel and saying this is what God says this is what you need to do this is where you turn to the Lord and this is what you need to put away so we find this pattern here that uh, um that uh, Samuel is working with is as a judge but what we begin to find is in this chapter, there's there's one verse that sticks out above all in first in, in Samuel chapter seven that really points to the heart of the issue. And I want you to kind of jump ahead, we're gonna jump ahead to verse twelve here. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and um and Shen and called the name of it. Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Now, that word Ebenezer, you know, there's a lot of meanings behind name, um, and it it is uh, specifically uh, the rock that has helped us. Well, obviously, that is a, a, a reference to Jesus Christ himself. There's a reference to who he is. And if you, you know, if you want to, you can turn to the hymn. But in in uh, on page uh, or hymn number 169, there's that hymn, Come Thou Fount. And, it, and it's a great hymn. But that second verse, I've had a lot of people come up to me and ask that, that question. It says, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. And I've had a lot of people ask me, what is that? What is an Ebenezer? I mean, we, we think of Ebenezer and we just, you know, went through the whole Christmas season and there's a lot of Ebenezer Scrooge, right? We hear a lot about that guy. Okay, well that's not, that's not who this is talking about. What this is a reference to is 1 Samuel chapter 7. Where Samuel went and took that stone And what did he do? He he, he basically took it and set it there as a monument, as a memorial to what God was doing with Israel. And we're going to come back to this verse in just a minute. But it's very clear that 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 phrase that he says, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. It is a, a, a great principle for us to understand specifically when we begin to talk about learning lessons. Because I want you to see what happens here. You know, there's this, there's this national call for repentance that we just read in verse three. And and, and what he, he he says there is that they have to return to the Lord. So when we were talking about change, we were talking about repentance and what repentance is. And repentance isn't about turning away from sin. That's part of the issue, but it, that happens only when we are turning to God. Because somebody can repent from a sin and turn directly to another sin. But the real true godly repentance is when we turn to the Lord. For mankind to turn to the Lord. And here he's saying, I want you to return. I want you to come back. They were obviously backslidden. They were obviously away from God. And, and, and here's this call that Samuel puts out there, this desire for them that the Lord had communicated to them. He says, look, I want you to come back. But I don't want you to come back just for a blessing. I don't want you to come back just because you're in trouble. I don't want you to come back uh, just because uh, you, you've got nothing better to do with your life. I don't want you to come back because you're bored. Because he says here very clearly in verse 3, where he says, if you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts. This this was a, a, a key thing that we find over in the book of Deuteronomy that Jesus Christ repeats over there in the Gospels, where, he, and When asked about the greatest commandment, in the greatest commandment, he comments back over there with what had been said over in Deuteronomy and to the children of Israel uh, when they were getting ready to enter in the promised land and coming out of the wilderness. It was, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And we, we, we see various different, uh, if you will, uh, um, uh, comments about it, including mind and inclusive, including everything about us. But the idea and the concept that we see with that is that it is all of us that's given. So when God wants us to return, when God wants somebody to come back, it's all of it. It's not partial. It's not a, it's not a, I'm kind of paying attention. It's the, I want the Lord and I want him to be pleased with me. This is a desire that we should have. When we see this here, obviously the nation of Israel had an issue with that. Their heart was often divided. I mean again you go over to uh you know fast forward a few hundred years, you go over to Elijah, and Elijah has to confront them again over there in the kingdom of Israel with Ahab. And uh what does he say to him? He says, Why saying you halt between two opinions? You know, you you've got to choose here. You can't you cannot serve God and Baal at the same time. The same thing is true of what uh Joshua said to Israel choose you this day whom you will serve and and this is this is a, an important concept for everybody to understand, especially uh, specifically, when we start realizing where we have gone astray, where we have departed from him, and we realize that we have to give uh, a, the entirety of ourself over to him we, we we find here that he's saying, "Look, part of this involves forsaking what you what you're turning from." He makes that clear. He makes that clear in that, that same verse there, where he says, "Then put uh, put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you." So we see this this, if you will, this walking through of what God wants for Israel to return, and it involves number one, a repentance. It involves a giving of themselves all of all, and in this specific passage, he says, "I want you to put something some things away." They shouldn't be there. They need to be eliminated. It's kind of like well, we go over there and start seeing what Paul talks about, about putting off and putting on. Putting off those things that we did and putting on Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Meaning we do what God wants us to do. We follow after his desires. Not following after our own, not following after our own will. So here we are in this specific passage talking about, the, again, a forsaking. And, and that, again, as we talked about with change, that, that, that's a necessary thing. You have to forsake the sin. You have to say, I want no part of it. You have to to, to to remove yourself from it entirely. And all of that has to be done, if you will, to begin to enter into the next stage, which he talks about, about preparing of the heart. Sometimes people try to prepare the heart first before they return. Some people will try to prepare the heart before they're willing to forsake. I like this passage, especially when it comes to to, to, to counseling or dealing with the sin in a person's life. Why? Because he makes it very clear here. He says, okay, there's there's a step-by-step process here. You've got to do it with all your heart. That's part of the preparation, but, but but in order to do that, you have to eliminate the sin so it doesn't influence the areas of the heart. It has to be removed. A person cannot prepare themselves unto the Lord if sin is still allowed. If, still, if sin is still, uh, if you will, received and and, and and done openly or even in secret. And he says, this is what you need to do. You need to prepare your hearts unto the Lord and to serve him only. And now he gets even more specific and says, our life of service. Paul talks a lot about this. In the book of Romans, he says, you're going to, to wh- whomever you obey is going to be your master. Whoever, whoever you yield yourself to, is, is you're going to serve that. He says, you're you're either going to serve sin or you're going to serve God. And we have a choice. We can do that. We can serve uh, uh, either one. But I'll tell you this, there's only one right answer with that. And that's serving God. God does not want us to serve sin. As a matter of fact, over in Romans, he says in Romans 6, he says, God forbids. So we get to this idea and this concept of where we're seeing the nation of Israel going through this message, hearing these things, and they respond in the correct manner. They put away those gods, and what do they do? They serve the Lord only. They didn't serve anything else. You, you, you go back over there to Exodus chapter twenty, where he says uh, um, very clearly, "Thou shalt have no other gods before me." They had all sorts of other gods. But he's saying now those need to be put away. And now they've done that and they are serving God and God only, the Lord. And as they go through this, they go out and they, they begin to, you know, pour out the water and the symbols of cleansing and, and purification. And they're going in and they're fasting on that day, again, to bring about humility, to bring their bodies into submission to the spirit and what God desires for them. They go through and they confess, as he says there, we have sinned against the Lord. They They realize the gravity of their sin. They allow themselves to be judged. They allow themselves to be judged um, because of the, the the industry that I work in and 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 uh, deal with some of the legal uh, aspects of things. There sometimes there's uh, a little things that they send us that they want us to kind of look at and review and and uh, keep up on legal activities in the in the United States and. Um, you know, some of them, you know, deal with some of the trials that have happened, and things of that nature. But th- there's there's always this one or two cases that show up. And, and I tell you, some of them get really scary really quickly, especially when you see individuals that don't want to be in court. Defendants that don't want to be there. They don't want to be there because, number one, they know they're guilty and they don't want to be judged. So what do they do? There's several of them where where there's been escape attempts from the court. Why? Because they don't want to be judged. People don't like to be judged. But they entered into this willingly and said, we want to be judged. We, We want this. And we should be judged. We should be judged of the Lord. We should ask the Lord to judge us. We should ask the Lord to say, hey, I want you to take a look at my life. I want you to search me and try me. I want you to see what's controlling me. I want you to see if there's any, you know, hidden thing in my heart that is keeping me from wholly going after you. That should be our desire and and we should respond accordingly and we find the nation of Israel doing that. But I want you, I want to point something out that the nation of Israel at this point in time is still such an infant stage in their spiritual walk, that immediately right after this, the the, the enemy begins to realize we've got a problem if they turn to the Lord. Because here in this passage in verse 7, it says, And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together uh, to Mizba, the lords of the Philistines went against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Now why were they afraid of the Philistines? Because over in chapter 4, the nation of Israel had been defeated. The nation of Israel had been defeated. Remember what happened over there in chapter 4? Chapter 4 of 1 Samuel is where, uh, Hophni and Phinehas died. The ark was captured. It was not it was definitely not a day that would go down as as one of the best days for the nation of Israel. They were defeated. Why? Because the Lord wasn't with them. But, but here's the important thing. While the Lord was not fighting that battle for them, God was still helping them. God allowed that to happen for a reason. Not only for them to realize that they needed to be holy going after the Lord, but also so that later on in this passage, they would realize how great a victory the Lord can do on their behalf. You go down here a little bit further and we see obviously they're afraid and, and, you know, uh, Samuel says, well, what we need to do here is we need to pray about this and, uh, they cry unto the Lord and, 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 uh, there's an offering that's made and, and this is amazing. And it says, and as Samuel was offering in verse 10 of the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel and the Lord thundered, a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. Now, 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 did you, did you listen to what God just said there? How did he defeat the, uh, the Philistines with thunder? Thunder is a sound. Thunder is is an amazing thing. A a lot of uh, what you see when you start looking at thunder, uh, it's related to the words of the Lord in Scripture. But the weapon that God chose in this instance was thunder, was sound. Do you know how loud that has to be to defeat an enemy? You ever been through a real good thunderstorm? Anybody else live in the Midwest for a while? Yeah, over there in Kansas? Yeah, the storms that we have around here? Nothing. You go over to Kansas and that's a storm. When, when, when thunder cracks right over your house and you hear the glass vibrating in its, you know, back and forth in the the windows and things on your shelf shake because of the sound. Now we're starting to get an idea. The Lord has done amazing things. He sent angels before he sent confusion among the enemy where they, they slaughtered themselves uh, he's sent, you know, obviously, uh, um, hail and all sorts of other, uh, things. He, here he, he sends thunder. Could you imagine that? You know, here they are. They're smitten before Israel. They're up there. They're doing their offering. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, and, and they're looking around and all of a sudden this thunder comes and wipes the enemy out. It starts pushing them away. You go to the next chapter and it says, and the men of Israel went out of Mishpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came to uh, Beth car. Now, now, now here's an interesting thing to, to to note is that they saw this and they took advantage of that. And, I, and I'll say this, this is a, this is a great kind of side note Many times when the Lord does it work and we are able to see that, that is an opportunity that God wants us to take. It's a signal, if you will. Now, I know we don't seek after signs, but God here, it makes it pretty clear that when you see the Lord's hand at work, that's time for you to also be busy. And they did. They, got, they, they went after him. And then you have verse 12 where it says in verse 12, then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer saying, hitherto the Lord hath helped us. That's a great help. An army to be defeated by thunder. You know, then <laughs> militaries around the world still are trying to figure out how to use sound as a, as a method of defeating the enemy. They've got all sorts of, uh, uh, sound devices that they try to use to defeat the enemy, whether it's, uh, uh high pitch ones or whatever it may be. I remember one of the first, uh, times that I actually saw it and was, and started studying some of it was, uh, when, uh, anybody remember Noriega over there in Panama when we went in and we kind of got him kicked out of there? Uh, and he holed up in that, uh, presidential, um, housing complex. And uh, the Marines came in, and what did they do? They just brought in a bunch of Jeeps with a bunch of speakers on them. And all day and night long, they played the most horrific, loud music that was just, I mean, just awful. Awful. Uh I am I'm 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 not talking about, you know, that they, they were they put on the BGs or anything like that. No, it was it was they put on death metal, they put in things that would disturb. They put in, you know, um uh, babies crying, they put in, you know, people screaming. It was a psychological operation and they used it for the sole purpose of trying to get this guy to crack. They used sound So even, even the U.S. military realizes there's a power behind it, but not like this. The Lord the Lord had done something to help. And, and, and Samuel instantly recognizes this and says, you know what? We need to make a memorial about this because we need to remember something. We need to remember that the Lord is helping us. He says, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Right here. Right now, and even in the past, that word hitherto speaks volumes of the past, speaks volumes of the present, and also speaks volumes of the future. Let me show you. Go over to chapter four. Chapter four, I want you to see this here. Chapter 4, and in verse 1, it says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and they joined battle, and Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew the army in the field, about 4,000 men. And, 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 and they start questioning in verse three. It says, And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when he, when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. Uh, where is God in that? They took an object that was sacred, that had the mercy seat on it, and they thought the power was in that. All the power lies with God. They took something that God gave them and they began to idolize it. They said, well, Lord's not helping us. The Ark of the Covenant's going to help us. Wait, what? Isn't that his? Anyways, it says, so the people sent uh, to Shiloh that they might bring from uh, thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims and the two sons of uh, Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, were with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And here they go, they go marching with this Ark. And it says there, and when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, Israel shouted with a great shout that the earth uh, rang again. And when the Philistine heard the noise of the shout, they, they said, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is coming to the camp. And they said, woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing to heretofore. They got scared because they were operating under the assumption that God was with them. The ark was there. God wasn't. You go down a little bit further. They say, woe unto us uh, who should deliver us out of the hands of these mighty gods. The, um, these are the gods that smote the Egyptians with the plagues in the wilderness. And it says in verse 9, be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines. That ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And what happens? They kind of pump up their morale. And in verse 10, it says, And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a great slaughter, for the men of Israel fell 30,000 footmen. Now we've got two defeats in a row at a place called Ebenezer. Now, isn't that interesting? This is the same place that they are over there in 1 Samuel 7. The place where they were defeated soundly twice, and the Ark of the Covenant was taken away, and Eli's sons were killed, and they lost these men, 4,000 men the first time, and the next time they lost 30,000. 34,000 dead Soldiers. That's a good defeat. Now again, the Lord was not fighting for. But the Lord was helping him. He was helping him learn a lesson. He was teaching him. He was teaching him. And in verse 11 it says, and the ark of God was taken and the two sons of, Hoph, uh, of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. They go back, they tell Eli, Eli falls over backwards, breaks his neck and dies. There's the whole birthing that happens with one of the sons, uh, wives and, you know, you have Ichabod uh, being declared and all these things going on and it was a dark time. It was a very dark time. You go over there and read when when, when Samuel uh, was uh, taken in and he was uh, being called of God. Uh, it says there was no open vision, there was no communication. Why? Because everyone was doing that which was right and they weren't listening to God. Anything that came from God was considered precious. But here we are in this same situation where now the Philistines have, have, have done uh, two great victories over them. They've defeated them because the glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. And the very end verse there, it says in verse 22, and she said, the glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God has taken. And, 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 and there's part of the problem. The glory that they were looking for was their own glory. They thought that 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 God being with them was all about the ark. Let's think about this for a minute. Did 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 Adam have an ark? No. Did Noah have an ark? Yes, but not the same kind. <laughs> not the same kind. Did 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 Abraham have an ark? no they all had covenants though they all had promises of God God was teaching them God was instructing them they made more about the ark of the covenant than they made about the Lord who told them to make the ark they were more concerned about that glory than the glory of the Lord and we see a very dark time with the nation of Israel, but it was all necessary so that they could see how the Lord was going to help them and how the Lord had continued to help them. From when God called Abraham out of his homeland to this point in 1 Samuel chapter 7 verse 12, Samuel does make a memorial testimony with that rock saying this Ebenezer right here, this is where God has helped us. It wasn't about the rock though. It wasn't about that stone. It was about God. They knew that they needed God's help at that point. And every time that they could go back to that place where they were defeated Before, they could go back and they could see that rock, that memorial that he had there in verse 12, and see the victory that God brought when God is helping them. When they have repented, when they're seeking God with all their hearts, when they're forsaking the sin, when they're preparing their hearts, when they're serving him and him only. All these things that we see that they were doing, the confession, the fasting, all of this, the prayer that was lifted up to the Lord, taking the opportunity, seeing what God was doing. I, I mean, it, again, I, I can, my mind can try to imagine what was going on at that point in time and the victory that was there. But at the same time, I go back to to, to to chapter four, and I can see the defeat and the heartache, and and, and just the, the the morale being in the gutter. If you ever played sports or you've ever done anything of that nature, uh, you you can see how quickly morale deteriorates after a loss. Halftime shows up. And you're just like, man, we're down. I remember when we had our little paintball team. I remember the first time we went out there and we'd done all this practice and we'd done all this stuff and, and we were going to go out there and we were going to be good. And man, we got our hat handed to us. We got trounced. Next time we go out there, we hadn't practiced one part throughout the whole year. We hadn't had opportunities to go out there. We just went out there and we just played and we said, well, well let's just play. And we prayed. We prayed before we started and we went out there and we played and, and, and we won. It was a totally different morale. Afterwards, it was just kind of like, oh, with the loss. But again, we didn't allow ourselves to get puffed up with uh, with pride because we knew exactly we weren't we weren't prepared. We just went out there and we just played and we just did what we could. We did the best that we could. And we left it up to God. And you're like, well, God blessing something like that? Sure, because the people saw a Christian team come out there and play and play right, play fair and play in a way that would bring God glory. They got to see a difference. But here 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 we are looking at these two two totally different circumstances. In a short period of time the two losses that they incurred over there in, in 1 Samuel and then shortly afterwards you've got the, the 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 victory that was won uh over there in 1 Samuel through thunder And I look at this and I cannot help but see the principle that when he says in chapter 7 and verse 12, he says, hitherto hath the Lord helped us, he, he, he's referencing everything that has happened in the past. How God helped Abraham. How God had helped Jacob. How God had helped Moses and Israel through the wilderness how god had helped them take the land initially how god had always been with them helping them i mean again you you go back and you read some of those victories over there with uh, with the defeats that took place i mean seriously a defeat is is brought about by some left-handed guy that creates a, a dagger and goes in and says i have a message from the lord to, to a very, very fat king. And assassinates him, kills him right there. One of the only God-associated assassinations, if you will. But, but, but you understand what I'm saying is, is, is there, there was a victory that was brought. Remember Gideon? 32,000 men gets whittled down to 300. And w- what did they do? They just shouted and threw down uh, some uh, uh, some uh pitchers and had uh, torches. And everybody freaks out and they start killing each other. And then they're like, yeah, let's go in and take them. And they go in and take them. A victory that is brought and glory is brought because some king goes in and tries to hide in a tent. And some woman named J.L. says, not on my watch, and permanently puts them in the ground. <laughs> you, you realize that with all these little things, it was the small little things that, that had a huge impact. And here they are trying to bring about the the, the glory of God and the power of God on their own during these defeats. And I tell you this, we look at that in our past and in our in what's gone in on our lives and every single time we look and we can say we were defeated and the enemy had victory over us and we fell into temptation and we fell into sin, we can always go back to something that we did. We can always go back and say uh, I tried to do it on my own without God. You bring it to the present. Right there in 1 Samuel chapter 7, and and, and what do they see? They see the power of God. The power of God defeating them with noise, with sound, with thunder. Verse 13 of chapter 7 says the Philistines were subdued and they came in, uh, to, uh, uh, came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. God gave him a great victory. And Samuel said, we need to memorialize this. We need to memorialize this because this is the place where we got We got defeated twice. Here's a place where God brought the victory because God was involved and God was helping us. And why is that memorial put in place? Because we need to remember, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. We need to remember that when things get bleak and get dark, when things start going awry, when we start seeing enemies piling up or we start seeing things happening in our lives or, or, or something starting to occur, we need to always go back to that memorial. This is why, again, I'm not talking about putting something physically in place for that. I'm talking about creating that in our heart and in our minds and our memories. The greatest memorials to God are in our heart. When we can go back and say, you know what? The Lord helped me there. The Lord has helped me now. The Lord's going to help me in the future. We have to look at every defeat that way. We have to look at the defeat and say, okay. God wasn't part of that battle, part of the fight. I bring him in and he gives me that victory. It's something that we should memorialize in our life. Something that we should always make sure that we're aware of. It's something that, that again, we need to go back to over and 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 over, and over again. So that we understand that real victory comes when God is fighting the battle for us. I, I mean, again, I just, you know, my mind kind of wanders into this. I sit there and think about how some, you know, several hundred years later, somebody walks through that field and they see that stone and they're like, what? What's that stone about? Person that's walking with him says, oh, you know what that stone is? No, that's Ebenezer. That's who? That's Ebenezer. I thought that was a place. No, 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 no. This is the place where God helped us. The time that you're going through right now, go back to that Ebenezer. Go back to it and say, that's where God helped me. And go back to the, to, to if you will, that, that pattern that he set in verse three. And what is that? Return. Make sure you're following God with all your heart. Make sure you're forsaking the sin. Make sure you're preparing your heart. Make sure you're serving him and him only. Making sure that we're doing that. Enter into it with prayer and with fasting and confession and allowing ourselves to be judged of God. And we begin to go in with that right heart attitude and the right mentality. And yes, the enemy may be there. The enemy may be greater than us. The enemy is going to be immense around us and we're imminently in danger And the Lord takes care of it. The Lord handles it. I can just imagine somebody walking past that and hearing that story and going, wow. And if you will, to a degree, inspiring that person to grow closer to the Lord. Inspiring that person to say, where am I in my life? I've had a few defeats. If God's part of this victory, he's going to be there for the other victories as well. And, and if you will, we've got that memorial right here. This is something that God preserved for us, protected for us, and gave to us to communicate that. How many victories did Israel win after this? A bunch. A bunch. They got defeated along the way, uh, specifically when God was not part of it. But when God was, they had victory after victory after victory. And the same thing is true in our life. We go back to that place. I'll tell you, one of the greatest places that you can go back to when it comes to that victory is the day that you received Christ as your Savior. That was a great victory. And it was won by Jesus Christ when he spoiled principalities and powers. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Why? Because we were helpless. We were helpless. I remember one point in time I was on a, a help desk for a pharmacy, uh, chain and, uh, it was, uh, hardware and software. And, uh, I would always get the person that calls up on the phone and, and, um, and I, and I would answer the the name of the company. Uh, they're no longer in business so I can say their name. I would answer, I'd say thrifty Payless help desk. My name is Ken. How may I assist you today? I have to do that in my professional voice. And, uh, And uh, inevitably, you'd get the guy that's the, you know, the jokester that would say, oh, is this the helpless desk? What do you want? (laughs) You know, because generally we knew who it was that would say that. But, you know, there would always be that reference of, oh, okay, you know, they're not going to help me. And sometimes, sometimes there was no help. Sometimes it was a matter of we dispatched a technician and said, well, uh your computer uh, exploded and burned. Um I can't fix that over the phone. <laughs> I could send you that. I remember one time somebody called in about one of their printers. And uh they called in and they said, Yeah, um we got a problem with my printer. Oh could you please describe the problem? The printer is uh it looks like it's smoking. I'm like, what? What do you mean it's smoking? Uh, yeah, there's, like, smoke coming out of it. Oh, 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 that's flames. Um, uh uh Can you hold on a second? got to go get a fire extinguisher. <laughs> and we're like, ah. <laughs> You know, got other people flagging them down so we can prioritize getting them a printer uh, over there. And, and uh, you hear this in the background, the, they're, you know, extinguishing it. And Get back on the phone, and they're like, so, yeah, we need a new printer. <laughs> Ours got on fire and, and you know we're there to help them. they call us to help because generally they they couldn't help themselves at that point and, and and I like to think of it in that way but 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 look, God's not a help desk. he's so much greater than that. He's the lord, he's the king of kings, he's our savior. He 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 he's our comforter he's our counselor he's everything to us so i say this when when we go through life and we're handed a defeat we need to take that as a lesson and say all right lord i'm going to apply this principle in verse 3 to my life we do that God gives us a victory. Memorialize we'll it. Mm-hmm. Write it down. Keep track of that. Maybe write it in the front of your Bible, the back of your Bible. Maybe do something where you you, you just you, you constantly bring it into remembrance in your mind of how great a victory God wrought. I mean, really, honestly, the nation of Israel didn't have to do much. They just pursued them and subdued them. God brought the victory in an amazing way. Not the way that we would always think of it, I mean, you think well? He'd give all of the nation of Israel some super strength, and they'd go out there, and they couldn't be defeated with sword. No, nope, that would have brought their own glory. They couldn't have gone back to this memorial and said, "Oh, this is this is where we defeated the Philistines. This is where we made them pay." No, because. The account would be, this is where God defeated them with thunder. What? Yeah, with thunder. How loud does that thunder? I don't know. Thunder. (laughs) How did that work? I don't know. Thunder. (laughs) And I just think about how great... That is, that God would preserve that for us. Okay, a defeat happens. Let's seek that victory. Let's go after what the Lord is is giving us. Let's, Let's seek what the Lord has done for us, what he will do for us, and what he has done for us. Let's remember that. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Brother Mike Perry, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer tonight?